Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Get a Job podcast. This is Logan Hughes, and I'm here with the one and only Ruth King. She is a profit and wealth guru and has a passion for helping business owners get and stay profitable, build wealth, and achieve their goals by utilizing the latest systems, processes, and technology. Ruth is especially proud of a business partnership that she started consulting with when the company had around $750,000 in revenue. With her guidance, 16 years later, the company reached $10 million in sales and was sold for $9 million in cash. That's pretty sweet. Ruth holds uh, an MBA in finance uh, from Georgia State University. Her latest book, 101 Dumb Financial Mistakes Business Owners Make and How to Avoid Them, was published in September of two, uh, two, 2023. Um, we go through some of the biggest mistakes that business owners can make financially, and I think I hit all of them. So don't worry. Grab her book uh, and get you know financially savvy. It is precedented by uh, five other award-winning books. The Ugly Truth About Cash and The Courage to be Profitable were named two of 37 books startups uh, should read. Let me say that again. So The Ugly Truth About Cash and The Courage to be Profitable were named two of 37 books startups should read, along with the books of Richard Branson, Napoleon Hill, Dale Carnegie, and other esteemed authors. You probably heard of all three of those guys. Um, she just uh, dropped an amazing amount of value here around business and finances and how you should absolutely get your stuff in order. Um, without further ado, I would like to welcome Ruth King to the show. You, you are now listening to the Get a, get a, get a Job Podcast. podcast. Your host, Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Get a Job podcast, and I'm here with the amazing Ruth King. Ruth, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Logan, today? I'm, I'm doing very well. Thank you for hopping on here. I um, was going through and reading about everything that you've accomplished, and it just, it's really some amazing things. So I know that um, this conversation hopefully can, can shed some value and for, for others who are, for are listening. But before we begin to you know start with all the, the great stuff that you've done. Let's start from the very beginning. I want to know about your journey uh, as a, maybe a business owner, if you worked nine to fives and how you got to the place that you are currently. Let's start, let's start from there. Well, ever since I've been a kid, I've always wanted my own business. And when I was a kid, I had, you know, I never had a lemonade stand, but we sold <laughs> flowers. We did other things. And so, I mean, I was doing business as a kid. Mm. Um, so it was always that. And then Obviously, I went to school, I got my MBA and all that sort of fun stuff. And when I was in MBA school, I found somebody who was um, working with Service America, which was a franchise or of heating and air conditioning companies, mm -hmm. and they, they needed help. And so I ended up loving, you know, contracting contractors. And, you know, I've, I've worked in other businesses, too. So you'll find that or I found that the issues that are there are the same issues that everybody every every business owner has 
Sure. Because um, none of us, including me, I mean, I didn't start my business to do numbers. I just didn't. None of us do. I mean, you didn't start yours. And I'm sure nobody listening, other than unless they're a CPA or a bookkeeper or something like that, started business because I want to do a P&L in pricing every day. <laughs> you know, that happen. No. <laughs> but, you know, that's not what got us in business. But understanding the financial side of business is what keeps you in business. So um, I started in 1987 mm. and I've just built the business since there. I've been doing it. For a little over 41 years, um, wow. written six books, done a lot of speaking. The only state I have not been in is North Dakota, and I am looking for a reason to go to oh, North Dakota. Go. I'll see if, 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 I, if I have any connections, I'll make sure to reach out to them over there. No? Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> there's, you know, there's really hardly any. I've got a client in South Dakota, and it's really <laughs> funny because none of, they go, what do you want to go to North Dakota for? There's nothing there. Nothing there, yeah. <laughs> What, um, so what made you like, from, so the numbers are incredibly important. And to your point, you know, when I first started my business, numbers were not a thing. I didn't even think about it until I got really far into it and realized, oh crap, I made a massive mistake of not getting my financials in order. Where can, like, what are some tips or on how you would go about with, with a, a business who's who's looking to begin, uh, you, you know, start operating. Uh, operating. What would you, some tips would be on the the financial side of this thing? Well, before we even get into the financial statement, get a customer mm, because yep. you don't know what what you should be doing, i.e., from a product or a marketing or service perspective. Mm -hmm. Until you've got a customer who's other than your mother or your father, okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who says, yeah, you know, I will pay for this. I mean, that really puts you in business mm -hmm. and they'll tell you if you ask the good, the bad and the ugly. And so you'll be able to create your products and services. And then once you know what they're going to be, then you can establish the pricing for it. So you really, you know, get a customer is number one. If you don't have a customer and mom and dad don't count. Right. Um, yeah. No family members. <laughs> yeah. I mean, real, not that mom and dad aren't real customers. Right. Won't pay, but they pay because they love you and all that sort of fun stuff. Right. And they want to see you do well. <laughs> you need other people who are not family or related to want you to do well also. Mm -hmm. And that's where I would actually start is make sure that you have a viable product or a viable service. And then once you know that people want it, will pay for it, then you can start massaging it and then looking at pricing and looking at numbers at that point. So mm -hmm. before you even say, okay, I'm going to charge X number of dollars for this, you might start by saying that and see whether somebody will buy at that price point, but mm -hmm. that might not be your total price point. And it also might be a situation where that's not only what they want, or they may say, well, I love this, but do you do this? This would be more helpful. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, you know, I'll give you a perfect example with yeah. one of the, um, products that I actually used are really good um, and they're fairly new on the market. And they send out a survey and said, what else can we do? And I said, lip balm. And I still haven't seen lip balm. <laughs> the thing is, they, if you ask, people will tell you, mm -hmm. you know, what they want. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really great. Um, and then obviously, yes. Uh, in order to make sure that your product can hit the market and, you know, uh, and you're and you're actually uh, someone out there willing to purchase or buy your service. That's a, that's really obviously uh, important. Uh, I do want to flow into the the importance of the P and Ls and the financials, though. Um, 
what should someone be looking for when looking to put that together? Um, does it help to get a CPA in or an accountant or can they, should they do it themselves? Like how does, how does someone new in that field should, should look to, uh, get organized in that fashion? Well, in the beginning, you don't know what you don't know. Right. All right. So sometimes a CPA can help. Sometimes a bookkeeper can help, but the, the you have to get educated as a business owner. It does, mm -hmm. it, it makes absolutely the, the mistake that most business owners make is oh, I've hired a bookkeeper. I've hired a CPA. I can abdicate that piece of my business. No, you can't. You can delegate the day to day, but you still have responsibility for oversight you know, making sure that cash flow continues, looking at receivables, looking at payables, making sure that the bills are getting paid. And once you hire employees that they get paid and all the other fun things that go with mm -hmm. it. So from a financial standpoint, I'll give you the story of one of my, actually my very first client um, in 1981. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she was a florist or well, she's, she's you know retired. I assume now I haven't talked to her in a while. And, um, she had hired a bookkeeping company to do her books because she didn't, you know, she was a florist. She didn't mm -hmm. want to do it. Right. So they'd send her numbers at the end of every month and she'd look at the bottom line on the PL and go, okay, I made a profit to throw it in a drawer and never look at it. Mm -hmm. So she started having cash flow problems, which really don't make sense mm. because it says she was profitable all the time. And since she's a COD type of business, so you are a florist, you do not bill. Right. You know, somebody comes in, they buy flowers or they order flowers, they give you a credit card. Mm -hmm. And so she was smart enough to get help. And so I went in there and I started looking at her P&Ls and balance sheets. And I said, you don't understand this, do you? She goes, nope. I said, okay, here's the questions to ask. And I gave her about five or six questions to ask. Long story short, whenever they didn't understand what something was, they put it in miscellaneous sales uh, rather than yeah. asking the question. Mm -hmm. So she fired him. I made her go to um, basically an adult education class that was available at the time to understand what P&L and a balance sheet was. And she said, I spent the most miserable 12 weeks of my life. <laughs> but she said, I came out of there knowing to be able to question, which is what she needed to do. So it served its purpose. So she has a bookkeeping company now. And okay. guess what? She looks at the P&L balance sheet when something doesn't make sense, like, eh, tell me about this. Number. She knows, yeah. Yeah. So I would strongly suggest, and I know it's not fun, and I know it's going to make them pull, you, you all pull your hair out, mm -hmm. but go take a very basic accounting class or a very basic financial class or, you know, read a book. I wrote a book called The Courage to be Profitable. It's about mm -hmm. a P&L and a balance sheet in English. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't explain it in accounting babble or anything else like that. You know, pick up the book, read it, and then at least you'll know what to look for in a P&L and a balance sheet. You don't want to, you know, sit in class right. um, for that period of time. But there's lots of books out there. So even if you hire a bookkeeper, even if you hire a CPA, and even I don't do my taxes, I have a really good CPA who does my taxes, but mm -hmm. we do all of the books internally, obviously. Right. Um, but I always delegate. The, the tax piece of it, because I don't have time to keep up with tax law. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> I'm sure it changes. It's going to change. Yeah. Like literally all, overnight. Yeah. That's really great stuff. And yeah, I mean, anyone listening, this, this advice is, is absolutely crucial. Now, uh, luckily I, I had, you know, my father has kind of versed in the P and L's and he, what got me started, but man, it's, um, once you know your numbers, um, it changes 
the game for you. You could very oh, yeah. well be thinking that things are going really well and then <laughs> you're realizing you're you're bleeding out slowly. Um, in, in terms of uh, uh, you, you mentioned something about pricing accordingly, pricing for for your customers. What what goes into the the pricing? How do you figure that out? And then you know, kind of keeping the customers for like long term, like a retention uh, type of strategy. All right. So if we look at pricing, pricing, there's actually two pieces to pricing. There is what's called direct costs or the cost that you have because you sold something. Mm -hmm. And there's overhead costs, which are the costs that you have because you are in business. And the thing that you really have to decide and figure out first is how you actually generate revenue. And you're going to go, well, what does that really mean? So think about it this way. If you were a restaurant you generate revenues based on the number. You don't sell a meal, you don't generate revenue. If you're a gym, if you don't have a member, you don't have revenue. The more members you have, the more revenue you have. That doesn't mean the more profitable revenue you have, but you have more revenue. Mm -hmm. And if you're like um, a housekeeper, a, um, a heating and air contractor, a plumber, an electrician, somebody who does home or business services, your revenue is actually generated by billable hours. If you have no billable hours, you have no revenue. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's where you really have to be careful because people think, oh, yeah, no big deal. I get it through <laughs> service or I get it through um, producing this product. But really, what is it causes to produce that product? You know, sure. really, where is that? Mm -hmm. And so take how you really generate revenue and figure out for every unit of revenue, obviously what your direct cost is, but also mm -hmm. what your overhead cost is. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's two pieces to that. It's not just direct and it's not just overhead. So remember always to put, to put both of those pieces in so that you, you actually get what you want. And then you have to look at finally and say, okay, that's what our, our break even is, but you know, what do we actually want to earn? Do we want to earn $5 for every meal that we deliver? Do we want to earn you know, hundred dollars per billable hour? I mean, that's totally up to you. And then you right. price backwards based on the P and L. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What got you into, so you, I think you mentioned earlier about you, you, I think you started working with a, a service-based business, but what, what kind of, was, was there any defining factor that got got you interested in, in working with them and besides like dentists or restaurants, right? Like <laughs> but where, where did that story begin? Because I, I just like our, our primary, a lot of the listens are within the service-based world, right? They're electricians or plumbers. So, I, I, you know, uh, I want to know where that kind of began. So uh, Service America was, was an opportunity for me and I was looking around for something else to do. I mean, I, my background is actually chemical engineering before oh. I got my MBA in finance. And when I was in grad school and MBA school, it was like, oh my God, these numbers are so easy. And it, you know, like the light bulb went on Yeah. Or you know, this is, and I was really good at explaining it. So mm -hmm. I was looking around for someplace that would really, number one, they are really good technicians, but I didn't know what a technician was at that point. They were mm -hmm. really good at, with their hands. They were really good with their job job type thing, but they really truly didn't understand how to run a business. Mm. And Service America was the first opportunity. It was HVAC. And I did um, just about, you know, all of their pricing stuff and all of their maintenance agreement stuff and all that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. work with them for about 18 months. And then um, I started working with distributors and manufacturers and, and I mean, it just kind of snowballed after that. Yeah. Um, from there. So you just, 
you got to find out what you're good at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're really, really good at plumbing or you're really, really good at HVAC or you're really good electrician, that's great. But that's not going to get you in business. Yeah. It will get you a job. And if you start it on your own, you basically become a slave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. You know, you've bought a job. You haven't bought a business. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the key is, all right, do you want to work by yourself, for yourself, for the rest of your life? And, you know, when you get 50 years old and your your knees, you know, wear out and all that sort of yeah, stuff, yeah. what do you have? Right. So you really that. and truly have to make the decision to build a business. I mean, yeah. I've worked with a lot of guys who are in their 50s and 60s working for some of my clients and they're, you know, their bodies are done. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the question is, what do you do? Right. They haven't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that actually came up in a conversation with a, a younger plumber that, that I know of uh, in town. And we're kind of talking about where he wants to grow or go as a business owner. You know, he's a one man show right now and you know he's doing pretty well. But, you know, what I, the question, you know, got brought up of what happens when you're 40 something years old. You know, do you want to grow the team? Do you want to be able to have a, an asset that you could either sell or, you know, have someone else kind of take over? So those are the, the foundational questions that I think we, we all have. And every business owner is different and they kind of go about it different ways. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a good it's definitely something to think about as a as a marketing person myself. I'm interested to know your thoughts on when a business within the service industry should start marketing. Uh, I get a lot of, you know, a lot of good, I I hear it from all sides of this, you know, I get, you know, businesses for me, for honestly, for for me, if, you know, if the business is interested in SEO, you know, we take a look at the website, we're making sure that there's some foundational pieces in place to be able to handle all the greatness that could happen for that. But I want to get your perspective on that. Uh, when should really a business really think about either outsourcing marketing or building uh, an, an internal team for them? Well, you have to start marketing from day one, because if you open your doors and you expect people to come to you, they won't. Mm-hmm. All right. So whether you're, <laughs> whether you are outsourcing it or whether you're doing it internally, you know, let's assume mom and dad is your first customer. Mm-hmm. Well, mom and dad have friends. Mm-hmm. They have neighbors you know, my, my thing that I always tell new business owners who are, you know, how do I grow my business? I'm, you know, I'm brand new. I say, choose a neighborhood, choose a neighborhood where you want to work. Mm-hmm. And you drive your truck in there every Saturday morning for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Within a year, you're going to own that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So you do that, you put together some not necessarily flyers, but maybe a postcard here or there or whatever else it is. And mm-hmm. somebody comes by first, they see your truck. And then all of a sudden they're in a truck in somebody's neighborhood and in their, in their driveway doing their work. And then their neighbor comes over and you just do it that way, but choose a neighborhood where you want to, you know, where you want to own that neighborhood mm-hmm. and do it from there. That's, that's how I'd get started. Now, when you have more employees and when you have more people that you have to give billable hours to, then you're in a situation where yes, you have to truly do a formal, you know, marketing type thing. Yeah. Um, so SEO can help, um, but I would sit down with somebody like yourself, and and make sure that there's a decent plan, um, a growth plan where they want to be. Because the other thing I find with smaller contractors and starting up is they'll take a job anywhere. Yeah. 
even if it takes yep. them an hour outside of where they normally yeah. are, why in the world would you? <laughs> Yeah. 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 That's, that's great. Um, anything else that they should, they should look, look for. I'm going to, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm kind of going to press this a little bit because I, I, I guess I'm more interested in, on, on my side maybe than others, but when, when you yeah. say look for, what do you mean by look for? Yeah. So, I mean, so you have, you have employees, you have a, you know, a fairly functioning business and is there anything else that a business owner should be looking for? looking for or should be having in place, I guess, already before thinking about paying for any marketing strategies? Or do you yeah. think just having a, a well-oiled team, some technicians on hand is, is more than enough? Well, number one, you need a, 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 um, a website that's professional. And the website should be both for attracting employees, which most are not, no, um, as well as customers. All right. So you know, you say, I need somebody. So you put an ad on Indeed. The first thing they're going to do is go to your website. And if there's not a careers page or there's not some videos about why they should work there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they're yeah. going to just go bleh. And you're not going to, and that didn't work. But, you know, <laughs> you have to do your website for those two things. The next thing you need is a referral program. Mm. It can be internal and external if it were me. I mean, you can look at it from your employees and say, okay, every time you refer a customer to us, you get X. Now, X could be dollars, X could be um, gift cards, X could be hours off too. Um, what I'm yeah. finding is that the younger generations want time off as much as they want dollars. And some of them want time off more than they want dollars. Sure. They huh. might have a wife or a, or a husband who you know generates a lot of income. Mm -hmm. So they would prefer to have the time off or they have a, a spouse that is working, let's say, you know, Monday through Thursday or something like that, and they want Friday off. Sure. But they're willing to work Saturday because their spouse works Saturday. So, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can do it, but you absolutely need a phenomenal website, mm -hmm. one that does not look like you did it in 1922. And I know <laughs> I'm exaggerating when I say 1922, but we've all seen them. Yes. We've yeah. all seen them. <laughs> All right. And then and then you need to make sure that website has both a careers page for your potential employees and mm -hmm. obviously for your potential customers, too. And then some sort of referral program, both active mm -hmm. and passive. I mean, people will call you in a passive referral program and say, you know, Mrs. Jones suggested I, I call you. Um, well, you know, thank Mrs. Jones. How do we thank Mrs. Jones? That's a passive referral. Somebody just called you. Mm -hmm. um, active referral is okay. We put something on our proposals. We put something on our business cards. We put mm. something, you know, on our Invoices. website, you know, whatever, yeah. and say, okay, when you know, we grow our business by referrals from satisfied customers, mm -hmm. whatever you want to say on there. Yeah. Um, from there, so those are really, really important things to do, um, and and that's just the basics. Get that done first mm -hmm. before you decide. Okay, I'm going to go spend a whole lot of money. Right. Let's let's do the basics. Let's do the foundation first, because you can spend a whole lot of money and your website looks like crap. You've wasted mm -hmm. yeah. it. Oh, yeah. You know? And I'm sure you've seen that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love I love the fact about the uh, the the time off factor of that, because you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, younger the younger generation is is putting time really above anything else. That's their that's their currency. So that's a mm -hmm. really, really great tip. Um, I, I would love to transition over to uh, the, your latest book that you just wrote, 
uh, 101 Dumb Financial Mistakes Business Owners Make and How to Avoid Them. That was published in September. Tell us a little bit about that book. I want to I know everything uh, about it. And uh, where can we go pick, it up, pick that up? I thank all of my clients since 1981 for, for doing all those dumb things. That I <laughs> <laughs> but it's true i mean they all i mean all of them have done one or more of those um from from looking at it but it's it's basically it's it's almost a bathroom reading book you can read one of the yeah. dumb things in you know like five minutes and yeah. i've had people come back well i've done that one and i've done that yeah, one and sure. i won't do that one again and another. i kept me from doing this one you know, there are yeah. Pricing things in there. There are um, understanding PL and balance sheet mistakes that come in there, cash flow issues that come in there, um, theft, oh, which yeah. is another big one. Um, when you're by yourself, you don't have to worry about it, but you know, you hire your first employee, how do you know they're honest? Yeah. Yeah. You so hire cool. five employees, how do you know they're honest? Mm -hmm. You got to have the policies and procedures in place to take care of it so that they know what the expectations are. What are some of the uh, what are what is what was what would be like the top, not five, but the top maybe two, biggest mistakes that you that you see overall from from all your years of uh, being in this industry. One of them is very simple: not looking at your funny and not looking at your bank accounts every day. Mm. You as an owner need to look at your bank accounts every single day, mm -hmm. because it's not only your people who will steal from you. But I had a situation with one of my clients where he delegated this mm -hmm. to his bookkeeper and bookkeeper saw those, you know, like a two cent deposit and a 70 cent deposit that you get when you set up a new account or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so he said, oh, the owner's just, you know, setting up a new account. Mm -hmm. So the next day the bank calls and said, did you authorize two $25,000 withdrawals? No. You look at your bank accounts every day. It is not necessarily anybody internally. It could be the bad guys, you know, in Russia or the Ukraine or wherever else it is. Right. You'll see what's coming in. You'll see what's going out. You can look at all the checks and make sure that they make sense. It is the first line of defense mm. that you have for, you know, taking care of your cash and, and making sure that you, you know, at that point get and stay profitable. That's number mm. one. That is absolutely just do it. It takes five minutes a day. It's like brushing your teeth. Sure. It takes five yeah. minutes a day, you know, or five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. But it, you know, it's it's not hard to do. It's it's just do it. Get in the habit of doing it. And mm -hmm. the second thing is really understanding what your PL and your balance sheet are saying. Those mm -hmm. are the two biggest mistakes that business owners make because once you understand and do those two things, you're watching, you're watching your cash and you're watching your business profitability. Mm -hmm. So those are number one and number two now. They are broken out in the book, you know, into into bite-sized chunks about yeah. here's where to look on a PL, here's where to look on a balance sheet, you know, that type of thing. But those are the two biggies. Cash, profitability. I, I love it. I'm definitely gonna go pick up that book. I, I need to learn as much as I, I can around that. And I'm sure I will probably have made around fifty percent of the, the mistakes that you've uh, you you've had in there. Let's talk about a little bit completely shifting topics. Okay. Later, but let's go with, uh, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the yo-yo the method. You mentioned this uh, in, in the document here. What is the yo-yo method and describe a little bit about that and how that could be. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. There are different ways of looking at the yo-yo method. So um, yo-yo method is when you basically run your business on cash. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 
cash comes in the door, I feel really, really good. Mm-hmm. Pay all my bills and I have nothing left. Eh. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Or the OYO method can refer to, I mean, there's, there's several ways you can look at it is, all right, I sell, I sell, I sell, I sell, I sell. And then all of a sudden I got work in the door and I stopped selling. You finish the work and then you go out and sell. So it's up and down and up and down and up mm-hmm. and down and up and down. Mm-hmm. So it can relate to marketing and it also can relate to cash. Mm-hmm. Right. So from a marketing perspective, this is, you know, you asked the question earlier about marketing. Mm-hmm. There should always be some baseline amount that you are doing mm-hmm. just so that you don't go into yo-yo. Yeah. So that work will always be coming in the door in, you know, whether you're busy or whether you're not busy, as you get bigger, you will hire somebody to do all of this. And initially you'll probably outsource it. And then at some point you'll have an internal marketing person who coordinates all of the outsource, the SEO, the, you know, the marketing, the websites, if you're doing anything that is direct mail related or TV related or, you know, anything like that, somebody internal will coordinate it, but somebody externally generally doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, you're bigger at that point, younger. It's like, okay, I'm selling, I'm selling, I'm selling. Okay. I got work. Mm-hmm. I'm so busy working. I can't sell anymore. Yeah. Right. And, and cash flow follows that. Mm. I got all this money in the door, pay all my bills. I don't have any money. So we're going to go out and sell some more. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's yo-yo. Yeah. What, what can we, what can business owners look out for with, when we're experiencing those things, how do we, how do we get around it? Uh, Cause I, I'm thinking about it personally, you know, as a solo business owner myself, you know um, I I'm definitely in the, the second part of that, you know, money, money's coming in uh, fulfilling a lot of work and then it kind of stops evens out. And then I have to go about selling anymore. So your, your solution you're, you're saying to that is to basically think about or continue to, to try to do marketing in the meantime um, while this whole thing kind of ebbs and flows, I guess. Is that accurate? That's accurate. The other thing you can do is make sure you have a maintenance plan of, or, or other type of recurring revenue. One of the mm-hmm. two. Um, yeah. You know, maintenance plans are things that even at yo-yo, what I call even at seasonality, but in plumbing, there's really no seasonality in electrical. There's really no, yeah. but it, you know, if you can enroll a customer in some sort of maintenance or recurring revenue plan, that money will come in every single month, whether you're, you know, up and down and up and down and up and down. So from that perspective, you're in a situation where you'll see less of it, the more maintenance that you have, but you have the other thing that happens is you know, let's assume you get 100, 200, 300 maintenance plans. You need somebody to do the work. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. It can't be you at that point. That might be your first employee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The the subscription plan or maintenance plan, yeah, definitely, definitely is key. Um, let's talk a little bit more like uh, hiring and uh, employees, right? What, what should uh, a business do to have established when they're looking to hire maybe the first employee? Uh, you know, is it is it referral from your mom or is it, you know, where are you where are you looking to hire the best of the best? Because with hiring employees within the trades is the biggest thing, right? Everyone's now looking for great technicians to come in. So what should someone look out for uh, when the, in the newer side of the business when they're looking to maybe possibly hire uh, an employee for their business or continue to grow that way? I'd go I'd go teach at a trade school, mm. teach a class. You'll yep. find your employees. 
Yeah. Many of my clients who do that, they have fine. They know who's good and they know who's bad. Now, granted, right. yes, you are going to have to train. Mm-hmm. A lot of the apprenticeship programs um, are, have internships. Go hire them mm-hmm. as interns. Um, you'll find the good ones. Now, are they the seasoned, you know, thirty-year veterans? You don't want them, right? Because they have all the bad habits, <laughs> and they're going to want to bring all their bad habits to you. And you're probably too new at business to say no. Mm. Yep. Yep. So I would, you know, if you if you look at it and wanting to hire your first employee, get your revenue program, get your maintenance program up, get a couple hundred maintenance agreements of whatever it is, plumbing, electrical, pool and spa, whatever it is, mm. generator. And then you'll have somebody to do the work. Yeah. And generally it's easier work. It's not diagnostic type work. Right. And they can learn the diagnostic as they're doing the maintenance. And then um, they become good in that way. I, I love that. I love that. Is there, to, I, again, uh, being just curious, what, have you been on, spoke on any stages or any events? Yeah. 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 Tell, tell me about yeah, tell me about some of the the best experiences that you've you've had in in that realm. Um, speaking is learning how to speak, being confident equals sales, which is you know something that everybody needs to learn within business. So, what kind of brought you to the point where speaking on stage was uh, important to you, and how how do you usually prepare for those things? Oh wow, um, the the most one of the most fun experience I've had speaking was actually in Cabo with Kohler and it was for their generator conference. It wasn't their plumbing conference. It was their generator conference. Wow. And it was just a cool experience. Number one, I followed the guy who was the general who took care of Katrina. So, you know, we're talking a few years ago and his thing was, was absolutely insane in terms of what he talked about and and how to deal with what we were dealing with. And then I started talking about the business side of it. So it was a really good mesh. Cabo mm. was fun. You know, I've also spoken in London. I've spoken, wow. you know, in places in England. Um, I started speaking, gosh, why did I start? I don't know. I just did. I wrote <laughs> out my first um, speeches and they were awful. Yeah, They were terrible. <laughs> so um, I, I went to Toastmasters. I got really good at it. I went to Georgia Speakers Association. I got really good at it. Um, it takes a lot of practice, it's kind of like reading a, re- a financial statement. It takes practice. And then after a while, it becomes a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken for, you know, obviously Kohler and Carrier and Lennox and Train and Daikin and most of the distributors in HVAC and Plumbing Ferguson. Um, you know, um, I, I'm, I apologize to all of you that I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many. Yeah. yeah. And don't forget, it's been 30 plus years. It's been 35 yeah. years. And I've been speaking, you know, since the early 80s. Mm. Um, what are some tips? What are the beginning, it was awful. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I'm sure. Just like, just like anything else, you know, I, I always recommend my, my clients. So you got to get on video, right? We have to record videos. And of course, you know, you start and it's always not going to be great, right? You just have to keep going and, and kind of just pressing forward. What are, what are some things to look out for? For someone to, if they're looking to start speaking, what are some like the bigger tips or some recommendations that you could you could ask? You obviously went to, to schooling for this and learned quite a bit about it, but for others like who Toastmasters, it is really the best way to learn to speak. Toastmasters, yeah, it really. And there's Toastmasters groups, all you know, every single day of the week, morning, noon, and oh, night. Cool. So you, in your area, you'll, you'll be able to find a group. Um, they're ruthless, but they're but they're nice, ruthless. Yeah. Um, 
because they want to make you a better speaker too. I mean, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, make sure you just do it. Go, go talk to anybody you can free in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. we, I did a lot of um, Qantas clubs and Lions clubs, and, sure. you know, anything that you can do, organizations that are local and just get, you know, they'll, you'll learn from every single one that you do and you just get better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a video production studio for a long time and, you know, I've had, you know, 20,000 hours in front of a camera by now. And a lot of the stuff was live. And I promise you, when you get <laughs> live stuff on video, nothing phases you. Um, I learned a lot of it through my husband's ex-partner who would talk in the IFB in my ear oh. when he was, he would be telling dirty jokes and I'm trying to do it. <laughs> Real yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> That's a big test. Yeah, to not just start dying laughing and be like, "What? What is happening here?" That's funny. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But That's that, awesome. I mean, you learn it. You just yeah. it's just practice. It's just getting in front of it, just doing it. And it's like anything else. You're, you're mm-hmm. starting a business, and you know you have to look at how many billable hours you have a day. But what yep. you use, what do you do with the other hours? Do you devote an hour to speaking? Mm-hmm. You know, all of us. You know, in, in all of our businesses, you know, seven things you can do to be more comfortable in your home. You know, seven things that you can do to be more comfortable in your business. Um, how to save money. I mean, mm-hmm. all of us know all that thing. Right. Write it up, put it in a PowerPoint and go do the speech. Mm-hmm. You'll get business from it, number yeah. one. But number two, you'll get really good at speaking. You'll get all the crazy questions that come in. You learn how to answer really well and it just makes you better. Can you repeat that? What was it? The seven you, so my next follow-up question was, you know, how do, how would we prepare for a speech? Right. So what were the seven things that you mentioned? You just, is it like yeah. a seven yeah. ways to be more comfortable in your home, seven ways to be more comfortable in your office, how to save money on your utility bills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how to have a, how to have a great lawn. I mean, I, you know, if you're a landscaper, sure. you've got to know that people do stupid stuff. Right. Sure, Instead sure. of writing down 101 dumb financial mistakes, right? You know, maybe not 100, maybe right. seven dumb gardening mistakes or mm-hmm. landscaping mistakes or plumbing mistakes or, you know, that type of thing. And go start speaking about it. Uh, I love that. I love it. Uh, Ruth, I, I appreciate the time. There's been some really great insight here. One final question that I ask all my guests, and uh, it hopefully doesn't throw you too off, off guard here. But if you could, again, audiences a little bit more towards the younger entrepreneurs, if there's one big tip that you could give someone who's on the fence, you know, you talked about working with for a business and they're like, man, I can do this better. I've learned a lot from this job, how to act, how not to act, customer service, I'm looking to go on my own. What's the biggest recommendation that you could give them uh, before they make that jump or when they're willing to do that? Two. Get a customer and learn to price and read a PL on the balance sheet. Beautiful. That's it. Straightforward. If you don't know <laughs> those two things, you are not going to survive for long, or it'll be what I call low ball Louie. Mm. And, and, and- Louie, yeah. Which we've all been there before. Yes, yes. A, a thousand, thousand percent. Ruth, thank you for the time. Again, where can everyone find you uh, online here? Where can they reach out to you? If you want the books, they're all on Amazon. 
So, and I've read them all, i.e. audio. So if you, oh, cool. books, I mean, I, you'll hear my voice on there. Awesome. Um, if you want to give me a call, I'm happy to take phone calls. Um, mm-hmm. It's 770-729-8000 or my email is rking, R-K-I-N-G at on the ribbon, O-N-E-T-H-E-R-I-B-B-O-N.com. Awesome. Everyone check that out. I know I'm going to. Ruth, again, thank you for your time. I'll be in talk to you soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Tune in. My learn side.